Welcome back to Second Helping on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News, and of course, also a voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. It's Thanksgiving week, Brent, which means we've got SEC football on Thursday. We've got <laughs> SEC football on Friday. And of course, we got rivalry Saturday to look ahead to as well. Well, uh, and we need to enjoy this week because of the expanded playoffs next year. This week, next year, might be championship week. In other words, the SEC championship game might be two, uh, three days from now instead of of uh, the usual time when it comes after Thanksgiving weekend. So we'll we'll know more of the schedule, but there'll be plenty of changes. But for the here and the now, man, oh man, Trav, that you know, besides bragging rights in the states, there's a lot to still be decided for the the playoffs and bowls. So there's a lot at stake this weekend. No doubt about that. And we've got coaching changes that are a big part of the backdrop. We've got quarterback injuries, unfortunately, that are a big part of the backdrop. And we'll get into all of that as we run through this week's games as we preview and review simultaneously here on second helping. And we'll get things going with that traditional favorite, the Egg Bowl, Thanksgiving night, 730 Eastern ESPN Ole Miss in search of a 10-win season under Lane Kiffin Brent. Mississippi State still trying to reach bowl eligibility at mm-hmm. five and six after the win over Southern Miss a week ago. Of course, Zach Arnett out as the head coach of the Bulldogs. Um, what's a reasonable expectation for this game? Could could Will Rogers perhaps make this thing interesting from the Mississippi State perspective? And you know, speaking of quarterback injuries, Ole Miss dealing with the banged up Jackson Dart right now. Um, uh, so that leaves a lot of questions uh, with this game. I, I, obviously, Will Rogers having not playing uh, much over the last few weeks, he certainly would like to finish with a big win here. Travis and I have seen some bizarre egg bowls in our lifetime, and uh, this could easily be the uh, uh, the same one. Really give credit, again, to Lane Kiffin, Trav, uh, closing in on his second 10-win season in three years. I, I'm, I'm just asking out loud here, could that be his ceiling at Ole Miss? Uh, and if it is, I, I will say quickly uh, for Ole Miss in his history, uh, double-digit wins in a year is nothing to uh, sneeze at, is it? No, I think traditionally 10 wins will keep you around Ole Miss as long as you want to be there. Yeah, yeah. It's when you start trending downward uh, like a David Cutcliffe. You know, when Cut was winning 10 uh, with guys like Eli Manning, everything was fine. It's when you start winning five or six or maybe struggling to hit seven that the Wolves tend to come out even in Oxford. But Lane's in a great spot, certainly uh, relative to where he was at after last season. Yes. Uh, he's come a long way with that fan base. They seem to have reconciled that fan base in Lane Kiffin after some hurt feelings, given some things that transpired 
in the off season. But yeah, I think Dart is very much an interesting storyline for Thursday night. Quinshawn Judkins, of course, can do some really good things out of the backfield. Uh, it was a slow start for Ole Miss. I think understandably so against Terre Bowden and UL Monroe last Saturday. 7-3 lead at the break in that one before Ole Miss scores 21 points in the third quarter and walks away with a 35-3 win. But you're right. It's a road game. It's in Starkville. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you would think the motivation for state will be there, especially early in the game. And that's why I think in some of these games we're going to talk about, especially, uh, from the road team perspective, um, you want to try to get that crowd out of it as early as you possibly can. Well, and I think one thing we see in these rivalry games and, and people always ask on the, the following day, well, well, that was a surprise. Well, why are these games so close? Well, they're so close because you've got an underdog who maybe for the first time in a month is healthy and motivated and focused. So, uh, Trev, I, I think that's why we see some of these games that are either upsets or near upsets uh, throughout the week. Yeah, and a lot of these games we're going to talk about today involving SEC teams, the home team is the underdog. In some instances yeah. – Big underdogs, like the next game we're going to talk about, going from the home underdog Bulldogs in Mississippi State to the home underdog Hogs in Arkansas. The Razorbacks going to host Missouri coming off that thrilling win over the Florida Gators last Saturday night. Improbable, I think it was safe to say, with about a minute 40-plus to go in that one in Como. Missouri wins its ninth game of the season in taking down the Gators. Meanwhile, Sam Pittman knows his fate as it relates to the 2024 season. So maybe it'll be a more relieved Arkansas team that we see on Friday afternoon uh, there in Fayetteville. Well, we talked about double-digit wins a few minutes ago for Ole Miss. Double-digit wins. Uh, on the horizon for Missouri. And, and uh, the, by the way, Trav, which the first time since 2014. So wow. uh, give Eli drink with uh, a lot of credit. And boy, that Missouri uh, offense uh, with Schrader and Burden and Cook. Uh, Travis, there are many offenses that are rolling up and down the field like they are right now, are they? You know, and it says something, too, for a team like Missouri, a program like Missouri, when they have a big three on offense like Cook, Schrader, and Burden, it's really all about health. And can you keep that group together over the course of 11 or 12 games? And Missouri's been able to do that. Brady Cook, 3,000 passing yards. Cody Schrader, 1,200, nearly 1,300 rushing yards. Luther Burden the third. 1,142 receiving yards. So that's been huge for Missouri to be able to keep those guys on the field over the course of 11 games. Because I I think if any one of those three go out for an extended period, I know Cook was injured earlier in the season, uh, but not to the extent that he had to miss multiple games or anything like that. I don't see Missouri winning nine games. And look, you got a kicker like Harrison Mevis too. Who has been clutch to say the least? A game winner against Florida, 
last Saturday night, the game winner against Kansas State earlier in the season from, what was that, 61? Yes. Um, you know, we, we don't talk about kickers a lot on the program, but uh, this is a Missouri team that's really checked it in all three boxes. The defense we talked about, much improvement over a couple of years ago for sure. But uh, Arkansas, it's still more of the same uh, for the Hogs. Got a much-needed win last week over FIU. But you know, as much as anything, when I look at Arkansas and I see its leading rusher is K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, yeah. with only 432 rushing yards, that's that's just not going to get it done for the way Sam Pittman likes to play on that side. It, it really makes you wonder, Travis, if Rocket Sanders had a thousand yards right now. They could be Missouri, well, or they would they would be bowl eligible. Yeah, right? yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, as you've alluded to a couple times, I think it's important that the Arkansas administration let it be known Pittman is coming back, so they can kind of get their ducks in a row. Now, obviously, if they are uh, searching for six wins this time next year, I think we're having a different conversation. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, a lot of those beat riders didn't think uh, that they could afford to fire him right now, even with the money that they've got. So good for Pittman that, that he's coming back, but they need to have a lot of improvement. And, Trav, a huge question is what does K.J. Jefferson do after this season? It is, you know, and I know that Sam's been asked about that. He didn't really have an answer for it at the time, but it is important for the administration to go ahead, I think, and let it be known that this is the path we're going to continue to take. And almost simultaneous to that, we talk about the transfer portal and what's coming up on the horizon on that front. And it looks like Arkansas has already answered one of the glaring issues that it has had this season, specifically offensive line play, and Keyshawn Blackstock, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan State transfer, yeah. who apparently is going to make his way to Fayetteville for the 2024 campaign. Too bad he can't play this week, right? Could, uh, <laughs> really? Arkansas could use the help coming up on Friday against the Missouri Tigers. Saturday in that noon window, and there's a couple of games of interest there. Kentucky and Louisville, Brent, squaring off for the Governor's Cup at UL. Uh, I talked about this before the season. We did our rundown of SEC teams and what we thought were their most important games of the season. I went with Louisville, even though it wasn't a conference game, because Jeff Brom was the new sheriff in town. That's right. Across the state at UL. And boy, Louisville now, 10-1. Top 10 team in year one under Brom playing in the ACC championship in a week's time is Louisville and Kentucky really struggling down the stretch. Kentucky Brent has won the last four in a row in this series, five of the last six. And in their last three games that they played on the road in this series, Kentucky has scored, I want to say 41 or more on Louisville's turf. So uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup in terms of whether or not uh, Brom can kind of shift things back into the to the way of the Cardinals. Well, it's amazing what he's done. Uh, now, there have been some questions come up this week. Now, look, Mark Stoops is not going anywhere, but some of the beat writers have pointed out that he is 7-8, and eight, Trav, since signing that big contract <laughs> uh, last November – 
that that made him the seventh highest paid coach. But they've got to uh, uh, try to to end the season feeling better about themselves. Devin Leary was certainly not the guy or that would hook up with Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator. Ray Davis uh, was great at times this year, and there are other times uh, he was almost non-existent. So I think it's a really important offseason for Kentucky. And, and Trav, I'll go even beyond this game with the Louisville with the job that Jeff Brom has done. Uh, Travis, would it shock you next week if Louisville beats FSU in that ACC title game? Not with Jordan Travis out, it wouldn't. And it's a Florida State team, even with Travis when he was healthy, that wasn't exactly seemingly hitting on all cylinders. Struggled with Miami. Um, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. I think Florida State's got the better team, but in terms of who's playing the best at the right yes. time of the year, uh, Louisville might be more of that team here in late November. Big game, I think, uh, for Kentucky. I think for Mark yes. Stoops. Again, as you said, and I reiterate, no chance of Mark Stoops being in trouble uh, from a job perspective or a hot seat perspective, but just in sort of maintaining that presence as the program yes. in that state and in this rivalry, uh, Saturday is big for Stoops and Big Blue. Also at noon Eastern on Saturday on ESPN, Texas A&M travels to LSU. You know, in the midst of all this stuff involving Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and the quarterback injuries, the Aggies are a seven-win team with a chance to win eight. Yeah. You know, at eight and yeah. four could be in a pretty good spot as far as postseason bowl selection is concerned. But, you know, LSU, of course, a highlight a second under Jaden Daniels. Daniels trying to put in one more strong performance. I think it's important, too, because he doesn't have championship no. Saturday he doesn't. to work off of in terms of his Heisman candidacy. So he needs to make a lasting impression on people like yourself who will be casting those ballots. Texas A&M, hey, you know, let's talk about what they've been able to do, even with those injuries on the offensive side uh, and, and what they've been able to get out of Jalen Henderson at quarterback. The Fresno State transfer yeah. has come in and played some pretty good football. Yes, yes. it's amazing how – uh, boy, you need depth in this league at quarterback, don't you, Trav? <laughs> it's like the NFL now. Yeah, you know, like we're yeah. Here, we're seeing teams like the Jets and the Browns, and you know they lose these star quarterbacks, and then the sh the focus shifts immediately to okay, who did you bring in as a backup in the off season? Oh yeah, and I don't think anybody gave any thought to Jalen Henderson. You know when he came in, <laughs> I, I'd all. never heard of the guy no. until now, and no. here he is. It uh, right. gives, gives A&M at least a shot this week. He does. And, and by the way, the, the Jaden Daniels numbers are amazing. In the last two games, 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. Some guys don't have that trap in a year. Uh, but, but look, what we, we say this every year. Uh, when you look at LSU, I mean, they've got dudes on that team. I mean, Mike Na Malik Neighbors. And Brian Thomas, uh, a thousand yards apiece. Uh, but as you, and I remember you saying this last year. With all the the credit that LSU gets, 
and they deserve a lot of that, uh, you still got multiple losses. Yeah, and this three, team, three plus three losses or more each of the last two seasons. And, and this team is not gone under um, uh, Kelly as they thought it would. And Trev, I'm just going to throw this out here because it's pretty interesting. How about Evan Stewart of A&M yeah. uh, being in the transfer portal? Bama mentioned uh, as a possibility. Trev, I don't think it'll take long uh, for Evan, St- Evan Stewart's phone to be ringing and getting some offers. Yeah, and when we say offers, NIL probably going to be Absolutely. a part of that. Uh, l- literally uh, offers for Evan Stewart if, in fact, it plays out that way. Kind of a disappointment because you anticipated this game in terms of wide receiver cores. Brian yeah. Thomas, Malik yeah. Neighbors, those guys, Lacey, the rest of those guys for LSU, and then A&M with Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith, Noah Thomas, uh, Moose Muhammad has had to step it up here in the last week or so for the Aggies. So be very interesting from that perspective. Um, and I think, you know, another matchup too, that, that LSU offensive line considered to be one of the very best in the SEC going against that A&M defensive front seven, uh, yeah. It should be be one worth your time there at high noon on Saturday. Again, that's an ESPN game. How about that 330 window, Brent? The Iron Bowl oh. annually. I guess this is the last time on CBS. It is. For the Iron Bowl. It is. Man, there's been some big Iron Bowls on CBS. You can go back to even the 89 game when Auburn finally got the Iron Bowl on campus. Um that was a CBS game. I think that was Jim Nance and maybe Terry Donahue. Well, I'm going back a few years with that duo <laughs> yeah. uh, on the call from the Plains. But Alabama, you know, this is an interesting team, Brent, because after the USF game there in September, I think most people figured this is the Alabama team for the first time in a decade and a half or so that's going to really struggle to get to 10 wins, <laughs> including a bowl game. And now here Alabama sits with a regular season game to go, the SEC championship, and the potential for maybe even two more games after that, right here where it always seems to be under Nick Saban, uh, Brent, with with those 10 wins. I I don't think Saban gets enough credit for winning 10 games a year at least. 16 straight, 10-win season. Uh, I mean, that's remarkable to be able to think about it Um, on paper, certainly Alabama is the better team, but they played on grass. So, um, and and look, Auburn had such a debacle last week, an embarrassing loss. And I give Jerry kill a lot of credit in New Mexico state for what he's done with that program. And they will, they'll, they'll play harder and they'll be more focused uh, and, and, and so forth. But I, I do think by the uh, uh, the third quarter that if Alabama does not turn the ball over, uh, that they will uh, uh, that they'll start taking over the game. I, uh, some of the Bama beat writers have told me over the years that Nick Saban gets a little tighter for this game and maybe over coaches. I, I mean, that's something kind of to, <clears throat> to watch a little bit. But uh, again, Hugh Freeze just trying to get his sea legs at Auburn 
this would certainly help him a lot. Uh, he's finally decided more in a quarterback and going with Peyton Thorne. Uh, Jarquez Hunter is somebody Bama needs to be very aware of on uh, every given play. And again, Auburn would like to upset certainly Alabama's plans for the year. And, you know, Trav, the amazing thing again about the expanded playoff, if, if we were there <clears throat> a year from now, there would not be that kind of pressure because Alabama would, would be already in the playoffs and, and uh, this game would be basically for seeding. It would be, although I guess you could say if Alabama still had the SEC championship game to play, uh, it could potentially be in a, a spot of having lost two in a row. Yeah, going true. into a, a playoff seating and, and and with a loss already, uh, you know maybe ten and three instead of eleven and two yeah, or twelve yeah. and one. I think Alabama probably still hangs on to a twelve spot in that scenario, but uh, you know something it probably would rather not uh, try to try to find out firsthand no. in a year's time, I guess. But uh, yeah, when I think of this Auburn team. The problem I have for the upset bid this week is you've got to be able to produce some explosive plays. And you said it, Jarquez Hunter can do that at the running back position. But when Auburn throws the football, where is it going to come from? Yes. You know, in seven SEC games so far this season, Auburn has 12 pass plays of 20 yards or more in seven league games. I mean, that's that's not two a game. Yeah. And when you think really. about the era of football we're in right now, it's two a half for most yeah. of these teams, at least. Really. Um, and so that's where I think the, the trouble comes in. I think you also hit on it. It's going to take Alabama not being the first quarter team that it's been on the road yeah. other than USF this season. Last three road games for Alabama in the first quarter against uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. And most recently, Kentucky, 38 to 10, the margin for Alabama in the first quarter of those three on the road. So if they get off to a similar start in this one, that crowd is going to be full tilt to start Mm -hmm. the game. It's still the Iron Bowl. No matter what happened last week against New Mexico State, those folks are going to show up ready to do their part. If Alabama gets out quick, though, I think that crowd will shift quickly to yes. sort of a mute mode, more so than it would have had it won the game last week. And it wasn't just that New Mexico State won the game last week. New Mexico State was the better team. Yeah, they were. It wasn't a fluke. You know, New Mexico State ran for 200. New Mexico State threw for 200. New Mexico State uh, defensively did the job on Jarquez Hunter, who was riding a three-game 100-yard rushing uh, stretch going into last week, and that kind of that kind of took care of that for the uh, New Mexico State Aggies. You know, one team that does have a win over those New Mexico State Aggies, you know who that is, right, Brent? The Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, Not every team can say that. Absolutely. But UH absolutely can. As we keep it moving here for the upcoming Saturday of action in the Southeastern Conference, I guess you could say it's a rivalry game. Probably doesn't feel like much of one for Vanderbilt these days, but the Commodores looking to avoid a winless season in the SEC at 0-7 in the conference, 2-9 overall. Travels to Knoxville to take on the Vols, coming off a home-thumping 
at the hands of Georgia last Saturday afternoon. Um, I guess subdued might be the best way yes. to describe yes. the environment for this one on Saturday. Boy, and you've got two really disappointing teams here um, and a Tennessee team that a lot of folks thought would be second uh, in the um, uh, the Eastern Division. Of course, those divisions go away next year. Uh, but, Trav, I think the most disappointing thing for uh, Tennessee is they've lost all the rivals, right? Uh, Georgia, uh, Alabama, and Florida. So uh, this has been a very difficult year. They got for, Kentucky, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah, true, yeah, true, true. Uh, but to me, the, the surprise here, and, and I think we both thought this Vanderbilt team may be looking at, at what, four or five wins by the end of the year. But unfortunately, the, uh, uh, the, the wheels have fallen off. They've gone through multiple quarterbacks at this point. Tennessee won last year 56 to nothing, and I'm quite concerned. Well, we may have a repeat of that. Yeah, this season hasn't gone the way I thought it would for Clark Lee at this point in his tenure. I I wasn't really expecting Vanderbilt to be a bowl team, but sure, four or five, maybe threaten six wins. Yeah. And there's never been a time in this season where you thought, hey, Vanderbilt's going to take that step again, similar to what we saw late last season. That has not happened whatsoever. And so Tennessee, while sort of limping in in its own right, this should be a fairly easy assignment for the Vols playing at home. So uh, we'll see if Vanderbilt can get off the SEC snide. I don't think so, but uh, uh, Tennessee not exactly playing for much at this point either. Team is playing for a lot on Saturday night. The Florida State Seminoles, who dropped a spot in those college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night, Washington moving up to the four spot, Florida State dropping to five. The committee assured us, though, Brent, that that Jordan Travis injury had nothing to do yeah, with right. Florida State falling a spot. But, hey, if it did, I really can't blame the committee because mm-hmm. he is that important to what the Seminoles do on the offensive side. Not that Florida State doesn't have very capable weapons and the likes of Benson at running back, Coleman at wide receiver and some others. And then, of course, Florida coming into this thing, too, uh, without Graham Mertz. It's really a shame because he really wanted to see Travis and Mertz out there together because I think both those offenses could have put up some big numbers. I, I think, frankly, if Mertz had played, you may have seen some people pick the upset, uh, well, uh, particularly with the game being in uh, Gainesville. Florida still trying to get bowl eligible. Florida State wanting to continue to be undefeated. Tate Rotomaker is the quarterback for um, a- FSU. Now, he's not a total stranger to his credit He, with his, in his career. He's been in the system for quite a while, and so he understands it. He did a pretty good job against um, UNA last weekend. Uh, but uh, to me, the big thing here is uh, can Florida's offensive line – block the front seven for Florida State. I think that's going to be very important. How will Max Brown uh, be able to deal? Uh, and hopefully some of the nerves will be gone 
after having to come in last week against Missouri. Brown's a pretty good athlete, his baseball player, but they're, they had a fumble in the red zone, which really hurt them yeah, last week. That was a week. big one, yeah. Or they, or they may have won that game at that point. So uh should be a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fun in the swamp, uh, particularly if the Gators are able to um, – uh, to keep up, uh, and again, certainly deserved in some ways to win that Arkansas game uh, in the Missouri game. And if that had happened, Trev, they'd be looking at a different season right now. Yeah, they're trying to avoid an O for November yeah. right now. And that's something that typically doesn't bode well for second-year coaches. No. And uh, no, absolutely, Florida's had chances uh, in those games. Uh, it, it feels like a shame when you've got backs like Johnson and Etienne that this is kind of where you're at in yeah. your season because those guys can flat out go. Now, you know, Brown's going to give you some things, as you said, good athlete. So perhaps we see him utilized uh, in that way. And probably some care has to be given to that potential scenario because I don't know who you go with if you don't have Brown, if something happens to him. Really? from a quarterback depth perspective, but yeah, the psyche of Florida in this game, I think Florida state's probably exactly what they need Mm -hmm. Uh, because if this was Vanderbilt or a South Carolina or someone like that this week, it could be maybe even more of a problem than it's going to be knowing that Florida state, even without uh, Travis is, is going to bring a big challenge to, to the swamp. So The problem with Florida at this point is that I don't know a Florida fan that was surprised when Missouri hit the fourth and 17 late. True. True. Uh, It's just kind of indicative of of where that team's at. Uh, And then from a recruiting perspective, Napier and that staff really got to hang on to what they work so hard Mm -hmm. to put together to this point, because I know they've had some defections of late. You know, that's the one thing that he can really sell at this point, and uh, that, that needs to continue to be the case uh, even beyond this game against Florida State. Also in primetime on Saturday night, another SEC. We've got SEC-ACC challenge yeah. in the primetime hours, don't we? Florida State, Florida, mm-hmm. and also Georgia, Georgia Tech. The Dogs, first of two trips in a row to the <laughs> ATL. This one Good to take point. on... The bowl-eligible rambling wreck of Brent Key. Impressive job by Brent Key in taking over that situation. I'll tell you something else, too. A Texas A&M quarterback that's done a pretty good job, just has done it elsewhere, is Haynes King. That's right. What a nice move for him. From A&M to Georgia Tech, he's thrown for nearly 2,600 yards and um, could potentially, could potentially Georgia like Alabama. Uh, those two teams, could, could the dogs get caught looking past the Yellow Jackets into the Crimson Tide? Uh, oh, I think they could for maybe a quarter, and then they but they just have got so much talent that that, that will take over. I'll tell you what, Brent Key in his last 19 games is 10-9. and nine. Trev, when has Tech had that going on for them? Uh, probably, since, probably since what, Paul Johnson was there? Uh, something of that ilk, I would guess. But, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for uh, what he has done. First time since 2018 that they're going bowling. But, boy, uh, if it's not one guy, 
who may be hurt, like Lad McConkey. You've got a Dylan Bell who steps up uh, and and plays well uh, in the game. And Tennessee and Tennessee was the latest victim <clears throat> in that point. Uh, Trev, how about Carson Beck uh, versus uh, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee? 82 of 115, which is 71 percent, 1100 yards. Eight touchdowns and one interception. I tell you what, his maturity this year has been impressive, hasn't it? It has. And I think just even watching him in his first road start at, say, Auburn and then watching him last Saturday at Tennessee. And I thought early in the game last Saturday, Tennessee had him sped up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, had an interception of Beck wiped out by a defensive penalty early in that game but boy as he settles in it becomes tougher and tougher to deal with that Georgia offense and you know they're able to do some things in the quick game that help supplement their run game because maybe they aren't in a situation from a running back perspective where they have the more notable guys at the position like a DeAndre Swift Mm -hmm. or you know, a Chubb or guys like that. They, they've gotten good stuff out of Edwards uh, and some others, no doubt about it. But, boy, they are. I guess that's all to say that they have weapons, as you outlined, too, at wide receiver beyond McConkie and beyond Dom Lovett and uh, Ra-Ra Thomas and those kind of guys that they brought in via the transfer portal. And with Brock Bowers back in that lineup, I know he tweaked that ankle. It looked like a little bit against Tennessee. He should be fine. Uh, that offense is is worrying right now, and uh, you're going to have two teams, I think, in Georgia and Alabama and Atlanta in a week's time that are probably playing their best football at the uh, at the end of the season. Georgia Tech, who knows? Uh, yep. Some impressive wins mm-hmm. in in a ACC play. The improbable win at Miami, <laughs> yeah. probably chief among yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it feels like Tech, with that bowl eligibility already in its back pocket. Um, playing with a little bit of house money too. That, that could make a team uh, a little more dangerous than it, than it would be already uh, in this one. Clemson and South Carolina on Saturday night, SEC Network, 730. Shane Beamer, I call him, you know what I call him now? November Beamer, because <laughs> November is the month of Shane Beamer. Yes. Yeah, and that's where he's got his big wins over Tennessee, Clemson, uh, in Florida, boy, this uh, South Carolina offensive line is not very good, uh, and the defensive line of Clemson could really have their way in this one. And and you know, you touched on this over the season. I um, I mean, Clemson has kind of found themselves. South Carolina has not. And boy, what a I don't know if I want to say wasted. But the Spencer Rattler and just not getting the support and where he could have gone maybe and taken this team if they would have had some help with their own explosive plays and better, uh, frankly, defensively. And I don't think Beamer's in any trouble uh, uh, at, at this point. But And I don't even really want to say he's going to have to start over again, uh, but... Uh, but, but I think Trav, 
it, it really kind of makes you wonder where South Carolina is going after this season. It does. Um, and again, I, I just feel like the the play of Spencer Rattler these last couple of seasons has been tremendously undervalued. Yes. Uh, I think whatever South Carolina has had a chance to be, these last two seasons are due almost entirely uh, to Spencer Rattler. So uh, we'll see where the Gamecocks go from that perspective. I'm interested to see where Clemson goes in some ways, sure. too. I mean, are we totally sure Dabo Sweeney is there to stay? Yeah. Uh, given right. some of the tumultuous interaction that he's had during this season, you know, I, I nothing's going to surprise me on the coaching front once yeah. we get through Saturday or this weekend, and even as we get beyond conference championship weekend. So uh, Clemson's been a an enigma in a lot of ways this season. Had some opportunities to really pose some season-defining wins like that home loss to Florida State earlier in the season. I'm with you, though, man, when I think about my guy Spencer Rattler and what he might have to deal with really behind that offensive line against oh, yeah. the Clemson front. Uh, I think November Beamer uh, might come to a little bit of a screeching halt. Although, look, you know, South Carolina certainly has plenty to play for, trying to get the bowl eligibility, um, you know, and trying to to make it too straight in that rivalry, Brent. So there you go. There is this week's games. Plenty to choose from. A lot of fun matchups and a lot of turkey to go along with it, Brent. I tell you what, Egg Bowl on Thursday. You've got Texas Tech and Texas on Friday. Oregon State, Oregon on Friday. Um, so uh, going to be a great, great time. But my my final question of great importance, Trav, is uh, the uh, the our listeners want a pumps update. Will he be in rare form on on Thanksgiving <laughs> afternoon? And Trav, will he be full of opinion? And vim and vigor during that time. Well, what we worry about with Pops is is that uh, Heather, the wife, is going to make this bourbon slushy drink <laughs> for Thanksgiving afternoon. So you combine that with college football, pro yes. football. Yeah, we'll see. Pops is Pops is uh, he's pretty tame these days. Yeah, you know, the behavior at these type of events has improved <laughs> dramatically. Hey. There's always the potential for it running afoul, you know, yeah. running into the ditch. So we'll see if we can keep him out of there, or, or maybe we'll work to to put him in there. Who knows? Uh, well, and and I'm sure he's been spending a lot of time on planning for Nana's Christmas gifts too, yeah. right, Travel? Yeah, you know he's got a he's got to have a plan for those grocery store flowers and Skittles. You know he <laughs> spends a lot of time on those for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pops. Brent, as always, enjoyed it, my man. Me too, brother. Well, we will uh, talk next week, and it should be very interesting what we learn from the weekend. Oof. We should learn a lot, no doubt about that. For Brent Beard, we thank you as well for joining us right here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference, executive producer Bill Oakley, and, of course, our friends at the Belly Up Podcast Network. For Brent, Travis, have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe out there, everybody. Until next time, so long.